Your ears do not deceive you. You've just entered the Cryptid Creator Corner brought to you by your friends at Comic Book Yeti. So without further ado, let's get on to the interview. <laughs> yes, I can clearly see that I rolled a one. <laughs> While the Yeti determines my fate, I wanted to tell you about our friends at Sanity Damage. They're an amazing D&D actual play live show. The campaign features a high seas adventure full of piracy, steampunk, and Lovecraftian horror elements. You can find Sanity Damage on any podcasting platform or watch the party live on YouTube. Catch them bi-weeklies on Thursdays at 7.30 Eastern Time on YouTube at The Homebrew d and I'll throw it in the show notes to make it easy. Oh, and never let a Yeti be the DM. This is Byron O'Neill, your host for today's episode of the Cryptid Creator Corner podcast. It's getting rather chilly last few days here in North Carolina, but wherever you are, I hope you're finding yourself nice and toasty, kicking off today's chat. Joining me are co-creators Joe Rechtman and Riley Brown, who have a new 10-issue fantasy epic dropping very soon from Titan Comics set within the popular Runiverse called Forgotten Runes Wizard's Cult. Joe and Riley, thanks for hanging out with me today on the show. Good to be here. Thanks yeah, for having, nice having us. Yeah, well, let's kind of start with the Runiverse itself. Um, for those that aren't super familiar yet, this is kind of a popular community-oriented MMORPG fantasy game, which reminds me like some of the classics like Final Fantasy III or something like that. So tell me, how did, how did Forgotten Runes overall, how's it going to connect with the comic big picture? Good question. Um, so it, Riley and I came to this kind of uh independently of one another um and i had stumbled on the runiverse because i used to work with the uh two two of the three co-founders and reconnected with them and they they told me about this this project they were doing uh that lives you know on web3 which i, I know almost nothing about uh, and <laughs> I, time, so. certainly had no idea um, so they sent me a link to the website and I start checking it out and unlike other crypto NFT web three projects I had seen that seemed to me to have no value discernible to, to myself, um, this one just immediately seemed to make sense to me. I was like, oh, so it's D and D or magic, the gathering, except you can buy a character and that character is yours. Um, and I, I thought that was a really cool concept. And then they said, we're looking to make some comic books taking place inside of this universe, um, which essentially meant they had created like 10,000 little action figures and drawn this fantasy map that was like this amazingly immense sandbox. And they were like, hey, do you want to come play in our sandbox with our action figures? Um, so the comics feel like a, a small part of what could be so many different things and yet even but because the sandbox is so large the comic books can be quite vast as well um so it's to go back to your question of how how it dovetails in with the comics i think they're the, the comics stand on their own but are also informed by and are also informing this much larger machine yeah, yeah, a lot of the characters that appear in the comics are 
um, characters that would be in the game as well. So sure. Uh, but although we're kind of like, there's so many characters, we you know, we have a lot of freedom. It's not like you take Mario and put him in a comic book and you know what Mario is like. We just can do whatever we want. So it's a lot of fun. You know. Nice. Yeah, do, that does sound fun. Yeah, yeah like the ultimate freedom. Yeah, well, the fantasy genre is kind of the meat and potatoes of like indie comics. So flipping through the pages of the preview copy, I knew this was going to be spot on and in the pocket because I noted in the book credits that like the the chief creative is Elf J. Troll or Troll. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that. And this the CEO is Bear Snake. Um, <laughs> so it had to have had to have that element to it. You know, could you break down some of who kind of the primary protagonists are in your story? I mean, you had kind of you said free range to pick whatever you wanted so yeah uh like each character joe might be able to answer this better than me but each chapter each issue of the comic focuses on a different character at least so far um and at least from what i've been drawing i'm only just starting to get to the point where the characters are crossing over a bit more um so but there's you know like the overall villainous scheme of like the main arch villain kind of ties a lot of things together. I don't know. I don't know. Joe, you could do this without spilling all the beans. I'm sure I'll accidentally say something I'm not supposed to. It's it's interesting because we've designed it to kind of the, the reference Riley and I talk about a lot is um, tales from the crypt where each issue is a standalone story in ours, it's, we, we try and do it where each issue is almost its own little genre, you know, where like the first issue is a heist and then the second issue is in more of a social drama. Um, and the, the fun thing is that the more you progress, the more you start to see that these stories overlap and intertwine and build to something that is less like an anthology and more like a serialized story. So it's, it's a bit of a hybrid. Um, and you, you were asking about the protagonists. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, the advanced list is talk about Crowley, Willow and Danny kind of as the sort of the main characters. Um, you know, it, I was trying to get a, a feel of how much that's actually going to weave together, you know, over time, or is it going to be more of like individual sort of snippets and, you know, you mentioned heist and then that kind of thing. So. Yeah, like I, so, like I said, it's a bit of both. Where we're we're gonna get a Crowley issue, and you're gonna get an Alchemist Danny issue, and then later on down the road, those two characters are gonna meet and maybe team up and maybe have some conflict. Okay, Crowley is the uh, thief in the first issue. He's a lot of fun. He might be my favorite character so far. Oh yeah, he's he's a riot. Like the the character work, I got to say, is, is amazing. You know, Crowley looks like this. Oh weird hybrid of Walter White and where's Waldo, right? <laughs> and he's, he's got this mysterious benefactor um, who honestly looks like a six-foot orco, like from He-Man, yeah. kind of. So talk to me about kind of some of your influences, because that, that's what I'm reading into it. Okay, well, one of, the, one of the things I think is really fun about this project is, like we were saying, it's based on this video game, and so all the characters are kind of made with these video game graphics. And, like, so they're just, you know, these... 16-bit characters without too much detail and so i'm trying to turn these little graphics into like full-on characters okay but i'm trying to do it in a way that makes it look like you know kind of like the character like pretend like my character came first and they made the graphic out of that character if that makes sense sure yeah um 
and you know, like, I'm trying to draw the character that would have inspired the graphic. Okay. Uh, but in doing so, there's so many like goofy features to these characters, like you, you know, the striped Where's Waldo shirt or whatever. That um, I'm trying to keep some of that silliness in there and as part of the world uh, that the guys live in. And you know, I don't know. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun coming up with different ways of displaying some of the same visual assets over and over again and trying to make the characters look unique and fun. Um, and yeah, eh, I'm having a good time with it. Yeah, I wanted to give you credit for Crowley's literal crotch rocket. Um, <laughs> there's like a fireworks mount in the game, so I, I can't exactly do that. <laughs> so Crowley's okay. I, I fixated on Crowley's like pointy purple sh clown, sh like almost like clown shoes. So where are those? Uh, well, okay, that's one thing. Okay, so <laughs> like I was saying, some of these character traits or character, you know, specific character design things, like show up in a lot of different characters. And some of them are just totally ridiculous. Like some of the, like there are so many people with pointy shoes or like swirly toed shoes that I'm like, I guess that's just the fashion of this planet <laughs> that they live on because it's, it's kind of nuts. And so I don't shy away from things like that. And, you know, that makes it fun, but also totally ridiculous sometimes. Oh yeah. I mean, but, but that's the overall tone. It was like a really, really fun read. And kind of when you're, you're crafting those visual aesthetics for the book, you know, you're obviously adapting these little. Is eight bit right? Is is that like essentially eight bit characters? Is that accurate? I think, I think so. Because they have more colors or something. I don't know. They're okay, but you know, people can picture like eight bit, maybe yeah, like, like original 50 Zelda. Fifty pixels or something like that. It's yeah. not yeah. a lot of bits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so you're coming into this in kind of a like a work for hire environment, right? And so yeah. did you did you pitch like character drawings? I'm kind of trying to get a picture of how you you came up with this whole visual aesthetic for, for everything? Um, I first started working with the Magic Machine guys like for the cover for a preview comic that they were handing out at comic conventions last year, like last summer. And um, so, I, I don't know, like at first I was like just going to do a couple of covers for them. And so I had all these questions like, oh, how specific, you know, it's like, I how much freedom do I have to draw these characters? How specific do I have to be with different aspects of them? Like, what do you have in mind for the drawings? And they really gave me just a lot of freedom. And I think after the first couple of covers I did, they were happy with my approach. And so they just said, yeah, whatever you're doing is great. And so I guess at this point, I, you know, you say it, and I just kind of realized that I haven't been turning in any like character designs for approval since that first issue so wow okay um, i guess they just trust me enough to do whatever um and yeah sometimes yeah there's definitely a couple of characters that like me and um uh the colorist and stuff were i was like oh wait that's not actually the same guy like that's you know like i don't know like comparing the graphic to the finished thing like making sure that it gets right. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm kind of just making this stuff up now at this point. That's awesome. So Joe, how, when you're writing the narration for this, how close did you have to stay within the Runiverse continuum? Because full disclosure, like I'm, I don't play the game. Um, so I'm just trying to get a feel for, you know, um, did you, you had complete and total creative control to run with it, however you want it. Yeah, uh, yes and no. Like, um, again, this universe is so large and, there's only been, you know, when you say the continuum or like the canon of the yeah. universe, 
there's really only so much and it's constantly being added to. Okay. Um, because uh, aside from the game, there's also this whole blockchain NFT side of things where people are buying characters and coming up with backstory that they then post on the, the website on the, it's called the book of lore. And, you know, I've been tasked with writing a comic book that's, you know, writing the story, coming up with a story that is uh, original and on its own and, and stands in the universe, but that also incorporates little anecdotes and details from the book of lore and from the canon that's already been established. So um, it's, it's kind of like, uh, like there's, there's the main story that I've come up with and I'm drawing these characters into, but then every once in a while I'll see a character in the book of lore with an interesting detail that fits what I'm doing. Okay. So I can grab him and, and, and insert him. So in, in the first, in the first issue, the character on the ship that they're stealing this this yeah. uh, object from, uh, I, that was a character with a motivation and a backstory that I completely borrowed from the Book of Lore. And I read his bio and was like, oh, that's a cool character. He's He's been searching for decades for this unknown magical item. It doesn't matter what the item is. Let me make that up and I'll, I'll throw him in the mix and, and get him in there. So it's really a a hodgepodge of of these different stories that the the fans have created themselves uh, and then blending that in with the story I'm creating. Wow, that's awesome. So I didn't you're going to make some some community people really happy then when they see <laughs> see their adapted characters in this book for sure. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or really mad and they're like that's not what my guy would do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's always the risk I guess, but Well there there was a character who um I had I had planned on killing off and then realized that there was a community member out there that owned that character and it kind of became a question of like is it okay to to kill this character if if we don't you know quote unquote quote unquote own them right is that, oh, yeah is that kosher um so of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> we're the ones telling the story yeah um and if, if later on down the road the the owner of that character decides they want to revive it somehow they're more than welcome to yeah yeah, they just have to write the next chapter in their entry, whatever. Or we will. They're and, reincarnated. Yeah. Yeah. Which and happens in the game. There's a lot of characters go through various transformations. So there's a lot of freedom to play around with, you know, the world that the Magic Machine guys have built. Yeah. Well, I, I got to say, I love me a map, right? Um, starting off with a map always pulls me in. Um, is Cuckoo Land and the Psychic Leap yours? Or is that like a place? So it's a great band name. I used to work with bands. I was 15 years on the road. And I was like, that is a fantastic band name. Uh, I wish I could say I take any credit for anything on the map. But the, the map is uh, exists outside of me. Uh, Riley, you haven't, haven't messed with that, have you? I don't know if I've even seen the map. What is, where is this map? Oh, is <laughs> oh, it like, on the website? It was in the first couple pages of the preview copy. Oh, oh yeah, 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 that. Okay, yeah, I have seen that. Um, I'm, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I haven't given it. I mean, obviously, I haven't given it much thought. So I haven't given any input on the map, but I found it. I mean, for me, it's an incredible resource and tool for for writing the comic book because you know, 
one of the fun things about this is we have we can have one issue that takes place on the high seas and then another issue that takes yeah. place in the desert and then another in the tundra and it's really fun to just look at this map and be like all right let's set the next one here in these you know snowy mountains um and and kind of use that that resource to to connect the dots on our story sure yeah, after reading through the first issue, it's it's clear you're taking a, a fairly lighthearted approach to the book. You know, I'm not getting the impression we're we're gonna go in ten issues all Game of Thrones towards the end, especially after seeing a kind of a rabbit in a lotus position sitting atop a wizard's head wearing an orange <laughs> bomber jacket, right? Um so is that a natural element of of your writing? Do you is is comedy kind of something is that your your pocket, your niche, or just just something that just okay, clearly this works with this world yeah a, a little bit i used to uh i used to write comedy ages ago um back when i was writing digital content on youtube um usually these days i'm i'm writing more thriller genre sci-fi that kind of stuff but it always has an injection of humor in it um yeah. the the it's hard to get away from and this brand inherently is a little bit silly. Like Riley said, the you know, the the little twirly elf shoes <laughs> and the some of the the monsters they've created are are just silly and fun. And that's not to say that there's nothing in the world that's serious. I think part of the really fun thing is that within this silly universe there are people and characters that take themselves very seriously and act and think like they are in Game of Thrones. While yeah. there's other characters that are, you know, riding on fireworks, and uh... Uh, I, I, I was going to say, issue two is not quite as lighthearted as as issue one is. There's okay, definitely okay. Some, gets a couple of dark turns in that one. Yeah. Also, issue three, and kind of issue four too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But even, but in those issues, there's also lighthearted stuff. Right. Yeah. Which which is what I think like is one of the fun parts of the series and the genre. And what I really like to do in comics, you know, like I had a lot of experience working on Deadpool at Marvel. Yeah. And one of the things that I think makes Deadpool such a successful character is being able to be so silly at the same time, but also so like serious and like to take the reader on that emotional swing where you're going from like those highs to those lows to those highs again. Like, I think that that, that makes a really powerful story and really, you know, compelling characters and stuff. All right, let's take a quick break. What in the Sam Hill is happening right now? What is that? Yeah, what is You like bards? Yeah, what is Oh, you like band of bards. It's not my fault, you mumble. That makes sense. They're dropping some great new series right now. There's that one about a heavy metal guitarist in the 1970s with monsters, working class wizards. You know how we love monsters around here. And my friend Dakota Brown, he's working on a project, uh, Grandma Tilly's Hell Tech Mech with Lane Lloyd. I saw the preview for that. That is crazy. Jimmy even contributed to their anthology from the static and had Matt Sumo on the podcast to talk about his project, The Bardic Verses, which makes a lot of sense that the project landed there. Where can you find them? You need to get out more. 
They are in previews, or you can visit their website, bandabars.com, for all the latest. Can we turn the music off now? Thank you. No more surprises. Minstrels or anything like that, or I'll rent you out to the Ren Fair as a children's ride. Let's get back to the show. Fantasy projects always run that risk of coming off derivative. You know, yeah. so how did how did you both kind of approach wanting to carve out your own niche in this extremely popular and trope filled genre? Although we're kind of embracing a lot of tropes too, which is one way to do it. That's always my instinct is yeah. to okay. lean into cliche and okay. embrace it and try and make it cool or try and make it the fun version of the thing that you, you know, if you've seen it a thousand times, this is at least somewhat new or somewhat more fun and exciting than you've seen before. Just the other day, Joe was telling me how much he loves playing with the genre and the rules of genres to come up with new things. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, we're fully aware of all, you know, like it's not, I don't think it comes off as derivative at all. I think it's pretty, it feels pretty fresh working on it. I think partially because just our approach of having each issue focus on a different character uh, and the characters are so different from each other that it prevents it from becoming too one note or too much like anything else you've seen before. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was refreshing the approach to the familiars in the book. I mean, we we mentioned the Lotus rabbit, you know, Crowley has his snake. What I mean, yeah. venomous snake. I don't know exactly what kind or anything like that. Um, you know, Riley, is there an animal you hate drawing? I, yeah, lots of people tell me horses. And, and if Joe made you, he wrote that in the script and he's like, here's a horse familiar. I think that's cruel. But. No, I, I don't mind drawing horses. Uh, I, have, I I like drawing animals, so it hasn't been, um, it hasn't been, it hasn't been bad. I think it's fun. Uh, I, if I'm struggling at one, it's with one thing, I'm not sure. I'm not always as consistent as I want to be with how anamorphic to make the animal characters, like, especially with the rabbit, when he was sitting on the guy's head, like he's supposed to be sitting there cross-legged. And I'm like, well, Rabbit's legs don't really work that way, but I guess I can pull it off. So it's like, <laughs> is it a real rabbit? Is it a cartoon rabbit? I'm not sure. It, but things like that. Walk. And I, I feel like you nail it. There's a there's another panel in that first issue with where there's a snake underwater and his cheeks are puffed out because yeah, yeah. he's holding his breath. And it's just it's a lovely detail that's like just the right amount of of silly and and human. Yeah. Well, I started doing this uh this section in my interviews now. Um I'm calling quick hits. It's like five random questions kind of designed to get to know you a little bit better, uh, me a little better, because I, I answer them too. Not entirely random because we're going to stay on a fantasy theme, going to stay true to the material. Um, hope with a duo. I haven't tried that before, so I hope we don't get too okay. sidetracked. But um, starting off, what's your favorite fantasy property? It can be a book, comic, video game. doesn't matter, but you got to pick one. Um, I, I, I mean, Game of Thrones, you mentioned that. I've been super into that. Um, I love, you know, as an artist, I spend a lot of long hours at my drawing table and so I'll just be listening to audiobooks. So that's a series that at least so far, it would be great if another book came out at some point, George Indeed. R. R. Martin, but, uh, that's the, the levels of <clears throat> depth and detail to the world building of that is amazing. Joe? Uh, for me, it's Stephen King's Dark Tower series, hands down. Nice. Okay. Um, just and, and that's that's been a big influence on on me for for this project as well. Uh, I'm I'm a bit of an obsessive about it. Well, for me, it's the uh, the TSR Find Your Fate books. Like they were the late 
70s, early 80s. Don't know if either of y'all are familiar, but it was like Choose Your Own Adventure. Yeah. 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 And they're super small, little thin pocket books, you know, the Pillars of Pentagon. And I think there were maybe six or seven of them. And yeah, they're they're fantastic. Um, I wish they'd do more of those. Yeah. Um, if you had a personal familiar, what would it be and why? Hmm. Um, you know what? I've got a pet turtle upstairs. If I okay. could somehow actually communicate with him, that would make things a lot easier. I <laughs> Tell him to actually eat his food and, you know, um, and then I could like let him walk around the house and not worry about him getting stuck under, you know, a couch or something like that. This is a this is a normal sized animal. We're not doing like. Oh, you do whatever you want. There are no oh, rules. Man. Oh, this is like the Runiverse. Do what you want. I think I'm getting like a a small dog sized scorpion. Okay. Wow. Like a, that... a like a scorpion like the size of like maybe an iguana, something that can sit on my shoulder. Oh my god! <laughs> do you want to revise yours now, Riley? <laughs> um, no, I like my little turtle guy. I think that would be fun. Okay. Yeah. Every, manageable. Since... If the poop's not too big, it's fine. Oh, and it wouldn't have gone that direction. I wouldn't have picked mine. Actually, now that I think about it. Um, ever since Beastmaster, I wanted a ferret as a familiar. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I think in the '80s, those were all. That was a very popular pet, probably because of that movie. Yeah, Toto and Poto. But that was the poop angle because I had friends that actually did get ferrets because of that, and like they are. If you let them out and run around, they'll just pick a corner and they will just continue to poop in that corner forever. Oh, it's a ferret thing. I mean, at least they're somewhat trained. That's pretty good. You know, manageable. Uh, Favorite fantasy video game and you can't pander and save the universe. (laughs) Um, Favorite. I mean, favorite fantasy, probably, probably Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. That was the. Real formative game for me. I just I love all the problem solving and like the fun weapons and stuff that you use. Like that's that's a cool game. Uh, I have honestly not played a ton of them, but I did sink about ninety hours into Elden Ring when it, when <laughs> it came out, and that that was a a very funny, rewarding experience until I until I got too frustrated. <laughs> I've heard that. I, I didn't start for that very reason. It's- getting really frustrated with that one yeah um for me it's just old school gauntlet so, oh cool yeah yeah uh you're rating your own dd stats what are you lowest in Oy. um i have a hard one are, are we supposed to be honest or is this if we're making our own everyone because you know like throw out wisdom because whoever even uses that right so that True. Just, True. <laughs> i when i when i played D in the past it's been a while but i always liked making my character's ridiculously high in strength, like ridiculously high in charisma, because that is just one that no, most people totally ignore, but you can do some fun things with that um, if everybody immediately likes you. And, um, but then just be like dumb as a brick and just like, you know, like walk through the wall so you can avoid a, be strong enough to smash through a wall so you can avoid any traps that might be on the door, that type of thing. That's how I play it. Gotcha. My lowest is a prob- probably intelligence. I think I'm more wise than intelligent. <laughs> that, that's that's too literal. I went literal too, right? I mean, I, I picked constitution. I have a, an autoimmune what? condition. So, like, I went very literal. Yeah, I think that, that, that so, But now if you're playing, if you're playing Dungeons & Dragons, 
you don't feel the desire to boost the constitution and say, no, now I can take anything. I'm going to be the high constitution guy and just live that life a little bit well, see, I, that way. I struggled with actually even using constitution because it could be said, given my autoimmune condition, that I have a incredibly high constitution and my body just reacts to everything. Oh, it's too good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but no, I mean, I, I think I probably play characters in D&D too literal and put too much of myself in them. Are they? Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the Runiverse has a wizard theme, so we'll finish there. You're designing your own wizard outfit. What is your flex piece of attire? Crowley's got his purple shoes. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I'd go the pointy hat, you know? Nice. Like get a Gandalf-style hat. Maybe, like, with a star at the top of it or something to really to really flex. But uh, yeah, man, get that extra an extra foot or two up there. That's how I do it. I think I would have like a big like Flava Flav clock, but it's an hourglass. Nice. bling. I'd have to go with the dope staff, like you know the whole Gandalf mm. thing. Um, I've, I've never understood the wand thing, right? Um, yeah, no, the staff's the way to. I mean, I guess the wand's more like convenient in ways doesn't take up as much space but the staff is so much more like decisive like it's majestic like you're making a statement with the staff well and you could whack somebody over the head like it's it, yeah. what is whack someone with a wand just as easily you could but you're not gonna like that's like a that's yeah, like D- D- two. you can reach farther with the staff indeed exactly <laughs> and how and it's that that is the constant trope right like you, the wizard always their powers always crap out so i mean at least if you have a staff, you can defend yourself. You got a little reach. <laughs> it's true. All right. Um, Joe, what else you got cooking? Um, yeah, you said you were, uh, you got some movies on Tubi. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, so in, in primarily I'm, I apply my trade as a screenwriter. Um, so I, I've got a couple of movies that you can watch on Tubi. One's a Tubi original called Unborn. Um, and the other is a screen life movie kind of like, unfriended or or missing um and that's uh called resurrected also available on tv okay and riley you just wrapped up a successful kickstarter for outrage is is that right yes uh outrage is a webtoon comic that i worked on with fabian nicieza um who's the co-creator of deadpool and you know legendary x-men writer uh and we worked together a lot at marvel and eventually we're like hey let's do a series that we own where we can do all the jokes that Marvel would never let us get away with. And so we came up with the series Outrage, which is about like, it's a very, you know, it's Fabian. So the humor and the dialogue is very Deadpool-esque, but it's about like, you know, when somebody posts something online that makes you wish you could just like reach across the internet and smack them. Oh yeah. It's about a guy that can do that. And (laughs) all the trouble that causes. So it's a lot of fun, and uh, we, yeah, we wrapped up the Kickstarter, and actually, the book's already in, um, you know, bookstores and comic stores. Uh, uh, yeah, it's a great-looking book, Outrage. We'll, we'll and, have to uh, pitch that as a, a Christmas pickup, holiday pickup, is that right? Absolutely, yeah. There you go. Um, especially if, it's, if you have someone in your life who's tuned into, like, internet culture and stuff like that, social media, because we definitely... At some point in there, they're getting made fun of. So, okay. uh, we're equal opportunity offenders. Okay. Um, and, you, and you got your own podcast thing going, right? Yes. I have a podcast called Hypothetical Island, where me and my co-host, George O'Connor, um, we used to share an art studio in Brooklyn 
years ago. And we just kind of missed the banter and stuff we'd have talking to other comic artists. So every week we have um, other comic artists, writers, animators, toy designers, and just cool people come on and uh, talk about the projects they're working on. And they're, you know, it's a little different than a lot of like nerd podcasts because we have our hypothetical island situation where the first half of the show is kind of like a, you know, it's sort of like a, not D&D type thing, but like a 20 questions type, I don't know. It's like, the idea is you're hypothetically lost at sea and there's two islands. You have to swim to one to survive. Which one do you pick? And then we learn that, you know, one of them totally sucks and the other one is the worst. So like, which one do you go to? Okay. And that, that never goes off on the tangent, I'm sure. No, well, it's all about tangents. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that's a lot of fun. So we do that. Um, and then I've also got a comic strip, Thunder Guardian, that I do with my son, who's in second grade. Nice. He designs the characters and tells me the stories, and then I turn them into a comic book. That's or awesome. a comic strip, I should say. Um, and you can find it in uh, A Kid and a Comic is the name of the newspaper that it's in, um, which you can subscribe to. It comes out you know, once every two months or something. But the whole newspaper is all comics pages. And there's a lot of really talented people on there. So it's pretty good. So check it out. Awesome. Well, returning to kind of what we're focusing on here, I I just say I really enjoyed the book. You know, um, I'm kind of invested in seeing where this goes without having been a, a prior game player, which, I mean, I think that's great, right? You know, bringing in new readers and stuff that aren't already exposed to the game. Lighthearted fantasy romp that feels well-paced, you know, full of these familiar elements that are spun with some originality and it feels both, you know, fresh and sort of throwback at the same time. So the visuals, I got to say, eclipsed my expectations. Like when I got the previews, I was like, this, this is really good. So well done, gents. I was impressed. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Thank yeah. You. Yeah. Well, if you're a listener who plays the game, you you probably already are in the know um, and likely already got it pre-ordered. But for everyone else, um, they can go pick it up at their local stores. I know we were a little bit um, on and off as to when the, the exact date dropped. So what was the date of the first issue? I think I, because it was supposed to come out a week or so ago and it right. was delayed for some reason. I think last time I checked like Amazon on, on the Amazon website, I think it says it comes out the 13th, which is. I don't know when this goes live, but coming up soon. Yeah, end um, of next December week. 13th. So yeah. it might be there on December 13th. I don't know. Keep an eye out. Yeah. And if it's not, it might be the next week. I don't know. <laughs> are, are there, I saw, I think, a couple of different covers. Are there, like, that's all the rage. So are there uh, several different covers for, for each or just for the first one? Or uh, I believe there are three different covers for the first one. Okay. Um, I drew two of them, right? Didn't I? That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think issue two, I only drew one cover, but I think there might be more. I don't. I should probably know more about this stuff. <laughs> but you did a you did two for issue four, so there's going to be. Right. It sounds like they're doing variants for at least several issues. Yeah, I think. Well, I, they like doing variants. Uh, Titan oh, yeah. publishing it. They, you know, they can, there's so many artists they want to work with. So if they just have an excuse they'll throw him another cover so nice awesome well joe and riley thanks for hanging out with me on the podcast today um talking silly shit and uh and you know it's, it's a great book i hope everybody picks it up thanks, thanks so much for having us yeah
This is Brian O'Neill, and on behalf of all of us at Comic Book Yeti, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Happy holidays, everybody. This is Byron O'Neill, one of your hosts of the Cryptid Creator Corner, brought to you by Comic Book Yeti. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of our podcast. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. It lets us know how we're doing, and more importantly, how we can improve. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the Cryptid Creator Corner, maybe you would enjoy our sister podcast, Into the Comics Cave. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.